I think there's a lot of nastiness on both sides that comes from both like ends of the extreme. Uh, and in reality, we just all love animals. We all want dogs to find good homes and good fits. So, you know, approach it from that commonality. Welcome to the With a Dog podcast. We are the podcast for the modern dog parent talking all about life with a dog. In this episode, we speak with Charlotte, the dog mom behind the Instagram account Charlotte with Dogs. She shares what led her to get a new puppy from a breeder and how to find a responsible and safe breeder. And then we also have a discussion debunking the adopt don't shop ideology. Don't worry, guys, we still strongly support adopting. It's just a really good food for thought discussion. And also, it's just me here today, guys. So no Izzy on this episode. Um, Unfortunately, her grandma passed away not long before we were going to record. And, you know, so she wasn't able to be here for the interview. Totally understandable. So, um, yeah, it's a bit new with (laughs) just being alone. I was quite nervous. Uh, As we all know, I can kind of easily go on tangents and be a bit talkative. So that's the reason Izzy and I are such good co-hosts is that she kind of balances me out. so it's really weird not recording with her, but this is such a freaking good episode. Honestly, um, it's a bit different than our normal interviews. It's a bit more thought provoking. It's also packed with really great information as usual, though. And the reason we decided to interview Charlotte uh, is because she does an amazing job on her Instagram of offering educational captions. Um, she really questions the status quo on how things are done in the dog community. She does her research, thoroughly explains why she makes certain decisions surrounding her lifestyle with her dogs. All around, she's also just like an amazing person. So um, because of her experience having to go through a behavioral euthanasia previously, she was looking for something really specific for her next dog. And even though her past dogs were adopted, she decided to go for a dog from a breeder this time. Um, Honestly, we didn't go into a huge amount about the behavioral euthanasia and what led her to have to go through that because that really wasn't the point of the conversation. If you're wondering, I can tell you that she did work with, you know, multiple trainers, exhausted all her resources. And at the end of the day, her dog Kiki was just not able to successfully lead a fulfilling life um, at all. And if you have more questions about it, feel free to message us. Feel free to, of course, message Charlotte. Just We just ask that you're respectful you know, because I'm, it was a very, you know, hard traumatic decision that she had to make. So anyway, point of this interview is she gives us just like really great advice on how to find a responsible and reputable breeder, like what checks and research she did when looking for a breeder, what questions she asked, any red flags to look for. And then also we got into a really interesting discussion about the whole adopt don't shop ideology slash tagline. Izzy and I have always kind of been on the adopt side of the adopt don't shop since both of our careers, um, kind of more on the adopt side of like working shelters and nonprofit. And then just the dogs that we have as well have all been adopted. And so it was just like a really thought provoking discussion. The point of the conversation is definitely not to tell anyone what is right or wrong, but it was just more to like point out the issues with adopt don't shop, like the fact that the phrase itself is virtue signaling, you know, kind of saying one is morally better than the other, 
putting down the option of getting a dog from a breeder rather than actually educating people on what a good, safer breeder is. So throughout the discussion, basically what we agreed on is that the tagline really should be adopt or shop responsibly or adopt and shop responsibly. Just because you adopt once doesn't mean you can't get a dog from a breeder another time or vice versa. So if you want a dog from a breeder, go to an extremely reputable one that is offering high standard of care, diligently preserving like a really healthy genetic bloodline of that breed. So you don't have German shepherds with terribly messed up back legs or like inbred Dalmatians or pugs who can't breathe. I can go on. Um, And then on the the flip side, if you're going to adopt, you just make sure you support a rescue or shelter that is doing great work and not participating in some shady practices. So all in all, It's just a great food for thought episode. Izzy and I still support adopting. The donations we do, like through the podcast, will continue to support rescues and shelters. But with this podcast, we see it as our job to provide you with accurate information on all things life with a dog. And we felt like it would be remiss of us if we didn't have this conversation about how to find a reputable breeder and how the adopt, don't shop ideology is a bit backwards. Honestly, we don't even talk about talk about the adopt on shop stuff like until the last 20 minutes the bulk of it is more informational about how to identify a reputable breeder izzy and i will also do a follow-up episode soon maybe in the next month or so about how to identify a reputable rescue slash shelter as well so that's that also on another note i did have some recording trouble I swear we've had the worst luck lately with this, and it's not hard to listen to at all. It's just that my voice for half the episode is a bit more echoey, and that's like not the standard that we, of course, aim for as far as our audio. So I hope it's still okay. Basically, what happened is that I got, I've got the black screen of death on my laptop, and it just randomly restarted halfway through the interview. So I lost like the good audio recording, but I did have a backup. It was just not as high of quality. So my voice is a bit echoey, but I don't even talk that much since I'm interviewing Charlotte. So hope you enjoy and let's get into it. Charlotte, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, And so let's just kick this off. This is a question that we asked a little bit more in season one, but the question is, who even are you? So can you introduce yourself and your dogs to the listeners? Yes, um, I can do that. I am a legal aid attorney. Um, I live in Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado, hopefully moving to Denver and, uh, at some point in the near future. Um, I kind of bounced around a bit, um, still kind of sort of feeling out where I'm at. But one thing I do know about myself is that I'm a dog person. I've had dogs like consistently since I was probably a year and a half or two years old. And then I, I I was never like that into dogs though. Like I like, you know, pet dogs, but I wasn't into like training or competing or anything until I got my own dog. And Starsky kind of brought that out in me, um, as well as like hiking. He just got me more active and enjoying life and trying new things more. Um, and who else am I? I am really into photography and just being creative in general. Um, not so much into being a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, I know you through your Instagram, Charlotte with dogs and Starsky, your adorable hound dog, who is, I swear, 
the same. Like him and him and Lupin. I need to get my Embark DNA test back because I want to see if they're related. I I want (laughs) to see it. They just seem so similar in their temperament and just their little quirks. So, but you also have another dog. Yes. So, oh, I forgot to introduce my dogs. Let me just talk all about myself. Um, (laughs) So I have two dogs currently, but three dogs I kind of want to introduce before we get into the conversation. Mm -hmm. So um, I have Starsky, who's my American foxhound. He's a rescue dog. I don't really know his age. Based on what the rescue knew about him, he's probably around eight and a half, but embarked genetic deterioration suggested more in like nine and a half-ish. I think he's probably closer to 10, maybe even a little older, uh, but it's kind of hard to tell because he has this weird progressive like neurological condition that the neurologist hasn't been able to diagnose yet. He's just this weird enigma. Um, and I kind of always sort of describe Starsky as my partner. We're kind of like equals in our relationship um, in a way that I haven't had with other dogs. Like other dogs have been more handler dog. Um, yeah. But Starsky... There's like a mutual respect and he does not hesitate to talk back to me, uh, as you <laughs> probably know with a hound. Yes. Um, and then, okay, my other dog right now is Ginsburg. She's a golden retriever. Um, she is from European lines, which is kind of worth noting because she looks a lot different than most goldens that you see in the U.S. So she's very light. She has lower set ears, stockier, more muscular, maybe not quite about the same stockiness, but more muscular once, once she matures. Uh, she will be. And she is almost five months old, which is crazy because I don't know where my baby puppy went. She's got like her grown up furs really coming in. It's kind of sad. And she's wild. She is what happens when you tell your breeder that you uh, want to do dog sports. <laughs> um, so she's a lot of fun. And then the third dog I will be talking about a lot in this discussion, I think, is uh, is Kiki who is, was my rescue mutt, who I had to put down in October of 2019. So about a year and a half ago. And she was a complete mutt. She was lab, American Pitbull Terrier, Great Dane, German Shepherd, uh, cattle dog, and Rottweiler. So she was all over the place genetically, um, which I'm sure we'll get into more later on. And she was super neglected the first like two or three years of her life. Um, we actually know more about her background because she was an owner surrender. Um, it was a small hoarding case and she was out on a chain with a bunch of other dogs for, um, her whole life in rural Texas. And the rescue down there convinced her, convinced the owner to surrender her and the puppies, uh, so some puppies, not Kiki, maybe Kiki's puppies. Uh, and she gave them Kiki too. And she was pregnant at the time. And so she had her babies and was transported to New York City. Um, so those are the three dogs who will probably be spoken about. Widely Um, different too. Three very (laughs) different dogs. It sounds like. Yes. Very different. Very, very different. All very sweet, lovely dogs. Um, Ginsburg, little five month old. I've loved watching her grow up on your Instagram and all of the stories and different trainings that you've been doing with her. So what made you decide to get Ginsburg? So. Um, well, I like, I like being a two dog house. Um, but Starsky and I had been on our own for about a year, a, a year ish, more or less. Um, and, uh, he's, he's really starting to slow down, you know, uh, between the neurological condition and maybe, uh, maybe his super advanced age, not really sure. I mean, obviously 10 is not super advanced for some dogs, but it definitely is for Starsky. 
Um, and so I was really afraid of having a period of doglessness. And that was mm-hmm. not an option for me. Um, and also he's, he's still capable of like doing like the big stuff, like hiking and he still competes in barn hunt, but he's really slowing down. And I don't know how much longer he'll be capable of that. And I like hiking, but I'm only going to do it with a dog. So I was like, okay, it's, it's time to start looking, especially because a good breeder can take a while to get off the wait list. It, for me, it didn't end up taking as long as I had thought it was going to take. Um, so Ginsburg was a little bit earlier than I had thought, but I was like, okay, time wise, it makes sense to start looking right now. Um, and it makes sense to add another dog. Yeah. No, I think that all of what you said are definitely significant drivers. We had an episode a while ago about getting a second dog when I decided to. And same thing, Lupin starting to slow down. The idea of doglessness is so hard for a lot of people. I, when we used to work at the shelter, when Izzy and I used to work at the shelter, you know, we would get people all the time coming in saying, yeah, my dog just passed away yesterday. I can't stand being in a house without the dog. We need another dog. But at the same time, the idea of jumping into getting another dog literally the day after your last one passed is, I don't know, to me, that's like, oh, uh, you know, you have to think about it. You have to make sure that the right fit, the right breed, all of that. So I think I definitely understand that point of when you're so involved in your dogs and your dog's life and then not having one all of a sudden would be so rough. So decided to to get Ginsburg and why why a puppy first you know and then why this breed specifically um why a puppy um well first of all uh, mostly Kiki um Kiki is why a puppy <laughs> um so Kiki I I put her down um in October of 2019 it was like the hardest decision I've ever had to make um, I don't think I mentioned it earlier, but so she was a case of behavioral euthanasia. Um, can you say what behavioral euthanasia is? So that's when you put a dog down who's otherwise healthy. Usually, I mean, I guess sometimes they might not otherwise be physically healthy, but, uh, they're not healthy mentally and, um, and it's their suffering. Um, and so Kiki was really suffering. I think a combination of her genetics, cause she was so many different breeds and I think she probably plenty of mutts are so many different breeds and are fine but i think she got kind of the short end of the stick genetically and with so many different breeds especially a lot of herding breeds i think that did uh play into her like nerviness and she also but with the severe neglect and no exposure or socialization to anything it it broke her um and i don't know when she was broken i don't know if she was like genetically broken i think had she not been neglected she probably could have she would have always been like a nervous, anxious dog genetically. But I think if she had not gone through so much trauma, she probably would have been able to live a relatively happy, fulfilling life um, if she'd been properly cared for as a puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I went a puppy, the puppy route. I wanted a dog that had um, a known background and had not had any significant past trauma. I wanted, I wanted, um, I wanted a dog, I wanted to minimize the risk of behavioral euthanasia because it was, wasn't just traumatic for Kiki to be suffering like that. It was really traumatic for me to lose my dog. Sorry, I'll 
probably get a little emotional when I talk about this. Um, oh, God, I bet. traumatic for me to lose my dog that I loved a lot. Um, so, yeah. you know, there's no guarantee with any dog, but a puppy is one of the things you can do to minimize the risk of, um, of having to do a behavioral euthanasia. Um, and then you asked why a golden retriever, right? <laughs> yes. Well, no, just thank you for sharing that of just like what a behavioral euthanasia is. Cause I think, um, I've had experience with that with, with working in the shelters, unfortunately. And that was just with a dog, dogs that, you know, we were caring for, not my actual pet or anything, you know? And so I can understand how that would be extremely traumatic. No, just, I mean, you can't fix every dog, unfortunately. Yeah. And every dog deserves the chance to be rescued and be saved and live a wonderful life. And, but not every dog can. And, that's just a sad truth I've learned. Yeah. And well, and not every human can go through that, you know, a, another time. Like, as you said, you, it was very traumatic for you. So going, I can understand how you're like, I can't put myself in that situation again. You know, it's not just the euthanasia itself. It's all of the exhaustion of resources that comes before that too. I bet we, we can talk more about that um, in a second, but okay. So Ginsburg, golden retriever. European yes. lines. Yes. Um, <laughs> Why'd you decide for that? Uh, I didn't specifically decide American or European lines, actually. So what, what I, the way it went down was I have a short list of breeds. They're all breeds I have had in the past. Um, and Golden Retriever's on it. Uh, Golden Retriever, American Foxhound, Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, German Shepherd, and English Springer Spaniel are like my short list. I would love to own other breeds, but like those are the ones like I want in my life really bad um because i really know them and i've had such wonderful experiences with dogs like them um so and i actually was looking for a rescue golden retriever when i adopted starsky and kiki um and i'll sometimes joke that starsky is my rescue golden um, <laughs> oh he's the furthest thing from a golden and then we, we had the most amazing golden when i was a teenager she was just like carrie was a wonderful wonderful dog like so kind and maternal and so i always after we had carrie and after she died she died of cancer um when i was probably i think i was 15 um and she, i was just like i'm going to have a golden in, in the future at some point mm -hmm. so um i always knew i'd have a golden starsky kind of made me fall in love with foxhounds um so i was actually initially speaking to a foxhound breeder um and i still do want to have a, one of this breeder's dogs someday because she's like amazing dogs um, but that didn't work out. And so I just took that as a sign. It was time for my golden. And uh, I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> um, and I didn't, I wasn't really looking for American versus European. Uh, I found the perfect breeder for me in all my other priorities. She happens to have European lines. Okay. How do you, I think that, well, first off, after this, definitely share me the info of the Foxhound breeder. Um, yes. You know, just so I can have it in my back pocket. If needed, uh, <laughs> her dogs are beautiful. Like she just wins Westminster like every year, and her dogs are like they're like Starsky, but like they look right. <laughs> <laughs> they're just uh, all of them are just so pretty. I'm so excited. Yeah, I mean, I'm not getting in a third dog, or am I? I don't know. We'll see. Good thing my <laughs> husband doesn't listen to the podcast. So <laughs> sorry, honey. I just happened to bring one home. I don't. It jumped in my car. What was I supposed to do? I drove to Colorado and also got it. <laughs> um, okay, so 
how did you, once you've decided on her breed, how did you decide her breeder was trustworthy? Like what background info did you look into? What questions did you ask the breeder? Things like that. Um, so before, like I say exactly why I chose my breeder, I do want to just say a couple of things like that. There's no perfect breeder, um, but there is probably like a perfect breeder for you. Um, and there's like sort of like the three different categories, right? There's like the puppy mills, which is the worst of the worst. And then there's backyard breeders, which, you know, maybe they know what they're doing, trying to turn a profit. Maybe they don't. They're just, you know, Joe Schmo down the road. My dog's so nice. I have to breed her. And I don't, I don't really hold those two in the same kind of category, but then there's reputable breeders. And within the whole realm of reputable breeders, you're going to find some that just emphasize different things in their breeding mm-hmm. program, but they're all good breeders. Um, you know, like some may breed for sport. Um, my sister, her cavalier breeder, uh, she breeds specifically for agility. So her dogs, you know, they look, they have confirmation, but they look a little bit different than most cavaliers you'd see. Um, so Ginsburg's breeder really focuses on the social foundation and producing confident, stable dogs um, that can succeed in like a variety of tasks, which a golden okay. is a good, like everything dog. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, Joe dry Canyon goldens. Uh, so Joe really focuses on creating stable, confident puppies, uh, who are really ready to take on whatever life can throw at them, which is why that was my top priority was socialization. And in within there's, lots of different types of socialization that breeders will do. I specifically wanted a puppy culture breeder. Um, puppy culture is a socialization protocol that's pretty rigorous and it's appropriately timed. Um, and it basically puts the puppies under manageable levels of stress so that they learn how to have stress tolerance, introduces them to new objects and experiences every single day. I mean, and Joe at the end of when they get a little bit older, five, six weeks, she'll be introducing them to multiple new things a day. So they just have truly so much exposure. Um, and the window to really socialize a puppy is pretty small. I think I'm not a breeder. I'm not a trainer. I think around 16 weeks, mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, and you can do socialization after that, right? But it's really shaping that initial emotional response to like new scary situations is really done very early. It makes sense that you went for a breeder that prioritized socialization because it sounds like Kiki didn't really have that and and the amount of work that you had to go through with her and then now it makes sense that you were saying like okay the what you were saying earlier of the right breeder for you so like this breeder specifically their mission statement was the the socialization the puppy culture Whereas maybe other people, uh, when they're looking for a breeder, they want to really highlight like health testing or genetic like testing yeah. or something like that. So it, it I think it, it kind of depends, as you said, it's like the breeder for you. Um, but all of them have to have some kind of standard higher than necessarily the backyard breeder puppy mill right, kind right. of thing. Honestly, I would have sacrificed some genetic quality if I had known they were doing puppy culture socialization. That's how important it was to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, I didn't have to. Um, Joe is great. And she does everything that should be done on a golden, which for goldens, especially it's because it's such a popular breed and they have like they're prone to certain things that is important. Um, so how did I pick her? So basically, uh, the socialization. She had been on my radar well before Kiki died, well before I was even really considering behavioral euthanasia. I just, um, 
I, I knew I, within about three months of having Kiki, I knew my next dog would be a well-bred dog with good socialization. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had one of my best friends is a trainer. And so she told me about puppy culture. And I just, at that time, puppy culture had this worldwide breeder map. Um, and that's how I found Joe. And I just kind of watched her because I, I want to, I want to be watching uh, a breeder that I, I don't want to just find one and apply that day. I want to know that I can trust them. And so I had watched Joe's page for like a year and a half um, and spoken to her a few times about Kiki and puppy culture just in general before I'd ever approached her about getting one of her dogs um, because I really wanted to make sure I felt good and could trust who I was getting my dog from. Um, and so that's, and after watching, she was on my radar. She was one of my top choices. And then I watched her raise Ginsburg's uh, full siblings, um, the litter right before and um, on social media. And she included a lot of educational posts about what she was doing. And I just really saw that litter develop. And that's when I, I knew I was like, I really want one of these dogs. I can trust her. And then I went and visited her in Salt Lake City um, a few months later. And I just was like, yeah, you're, you're the breeder for me. You really care about creating confident, confident, well socialized, kind, good dogs. <laughs> so that's kind of how I chose. Joe. Yeah, no, that's lovely. I think what you just said, as far as how she was very open about all of her practices, it sounded like on social media, really bringing the education part to, you know, any of her followers or any anyone who was looking into into her as a breeder. I think that's definitely a sign of someone who's doing the right thing, not just someone who's posting cute puppy videos, but someone who's like, this is why I do this. And, you know, studies have shown, you know, introducing this kind of smell at this age will help with whatever, you know, or something like that, you know, yes, the, yeah. that kind of informational um, education showing that they actually know what they're talking about is definitely, I think, a good sign of a good yes. reader. And obviously, you know, it worked well with you with, you know, interacting with her and stuff. Yeah. And she had all her girls on site. She's, uh, so she's, she's definitely a girl dog person. So Ginsburg's dad lives in, I think, Nevada. Um, so I haven't met him, but I've met Ginsburg's, uh, grandmother, her mother and her full sister. And so she had them all on site. So I really got to know her dogs. And I was just like, yeah, I know what kind of dog I'm getting. Um, she specifically, uh, suggested Ginsburg because it's, she's a repeat breeding. And so she kind of knows how those puppies are going to turn out. And she was like, okay, based on your goals, I think. This is a really good litter for you, um, even though it's a little earlier than you had planned. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, a good breeder isn't just going to give you a puppy. They're also going to make sure it's a good fit and help match you, you know, if it's an unplanned litter. And so maybe they don't know how the puppies are going to turn out exactly. Uh, you know, a, a good breeder wants a good fit. Basically. Yes. Yeah. They're not just going to say like, oh, great. I have a dog available to show up on Saturday. Yeah, that's no, not, no, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the breeder that like, if I'm just kind of trying to say this for all the listeners and stuff, just to pull the the educational part out of it. Yeah. If you, if you contact a breeder and they're like, yep, I have one here. Want to cut like, do you want black or white? It's like, no, no, <laughs> that's not the, the route that the breeder to go with. So to round out kind of the breeder convo, I guess you kind of already told us what research and everything that you you did to find Joe and to find Ginsburg. What do you recommend? Like, what steps do you recommend for other people to go through if they are looking to get a puppy 
a breeder or not, but like if, to find a good, responsible breeder? So when you sent me this question ahead of time, I was like, I actually realized I had a lot more to say about it than I thought I did at first. <laughs> um, so I, I had a pretty good idea of what I was looking for because my family has always both adopted and shopped for as long as I can remember. And my sister, well, she doesn't train professionally anymore, but she is a trainer. So I've always kind of like sort of known what I'm looking for, at least in general. Um, especially if you don't know what you're looking for. But even if you do, I would totally recommend reaching out to a trainer. Um, a lot of trainers, well, first of all, they work with a lot of different breeds. So they're familiar with energy levels and um, maybe issues the breed can sometimes have or be prone to, especially if it's coming from a bad breeder. Um, I shouldn't say bad, I should say backyard because I don't want to attribute moral uh, <laughs> necessarily. Not all backyard breeders are bad people. They just maybe don't know what they're doing um, mm -hmm. or have different ethics and priorities than I do. Anyway, okay, <laughs> tangent. <laughs> um, so I totally recommend reaching out to local trainers. And actually, a lot of local a lot of trainers now will actually have services where they'll help you. You can pay and they will help you match, um, match to a breed or uh, help you find a breeder that's good for you, um, your perfect breeder. If you don't really know what you're looking for, I think it's like just a wonderful resource. And a lot of them will do it for free. Some, some charge. I think it's well worth paying for. Um, that's actually how my family got our first Cavalier. And now my mom will only ever have Cavaliers. She loves them because they're such a good <laughs> fit for us. Um, and we didn't even know what they were before and we wouldn't have if we hadn't reached out to a trainer. So that's my like caveat before I, uh, go into like what I would recommend to people look at, okay. um, is talk to trainers. Um, and trainers you trust, right? Like not all trainers are created equal. Um, yeah. uh, ask about socialization is, I mean, obviously that's like my most important thing. Um, because of Kiki, that's hands down. I want to know how you socialize your puppy because that sets them up for the rest of their life, whether good or bad. Um, and so you want to make sure they're doing early neurological stimulation, like at a minimum. Um, but I, I love the puppy culture program. I think it's great. I, I don't know if I'll ever buy another dog that doesn't have puppy culture. Mm -hmm. um, um, testing kind of depends. It depends on the breed you're looking for. Um, breed clubs should have some sort of information on their websites about which tests a breeder for that breed should do because different breeds are prone to different issues. Um, and actually, a lot of breeders will explain on their websites the tests that you should look for because a lot of good breeders, they're not like, you have to buy one of my dogs. They're like, you have to buy a good dog, like a well-bred dog. So they want to help people learn too. Um, so I would recommend looking at the breed club websites, looking at, um, looking at breeders' websites, um, and again, hiring a trainer who has like a matching guidance is really good. And then you always want to look for like the red flags. Um, and so there's some red flags that are, they're, they're all kind of nuanced, but if they're specifically breeding for a certain color, that can be a red flag. Um, some colors in certain breeds can be linked to genetic mutations and abnormalities, and they're not healthy dogs. Um, that's backyard breeding. Uh, some colors are fads or not breed standards, or they're bred for money, looks, popularity. That's a red flag. Um, you know, that said, there's some nuance. Breeders might not be specifically breeding for color, but happen to have dogs that are mostly that color. That's that would be Joe has mostly cream colored goldens because she likes that color. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So I don't consider that a red flag. And that's, that's just a nuance. You just have to get by getting to re- really researching, getting to know the breeder as opposed to um, just looking at their website. Speaking of the color, would you consider it a red flag if they charge more for one color over another because they're kind of feeding into the fad? Or is that like a, a normal practice, do you think? I know um, not necessarily a professional in it. I'm just wondering because I've seen it, it done and it makes me wonder. So there's some nuance to that as well. Okay. Um, so I think, uh, yes, it's a red flag. It's just something you want to look a little more into. Uh, but a red flag doesn't necessarily mean a deal breaker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, our first cavalier, um, he was a ruby cavalier, but he couldn't be shown because he was mismarked. And so the breeder, she, um, uh, docked the price by, you know, like a hundred dollars because he had, uh, some white and then she docked the price a little bit because he had a little bit too much of an overbite. I don't consider that a red flag because that's just, I can think of the words. <laughs> well, I guess it makes sense that she, um, like what you said, that dog couldn't be shown because of the mismarking. And so it makes sense. I think it does make sense that they maybe charge a bit more for a certain color because then that dog could potentially be shown. But I think if someone's charging more for a specific color just because it's a fad. Yes. Then maybe that's a little bit more of a red flag. Yeah. I think it's always, you got to look into why and really look into what's, what's going on here. Are they charging more because it's a different color or are they, is this the full price and they're charging and they're discounting the dog because there's some things that are imperfections in the breed Mm -hmm. standard. That's two totally different things, but very related and nuanced and something you might not think to realize if you, especially if you haven't ever bought a dog before, or if you've only bought, you know, Joe Schmo's dogs down the street, um, you might not know. Um, Another red flag is if they're breeding multiple times in a row, um, or if like the dam has had like a ton of litters. And again, there's some nuance in this. Um, So multiple heats in a row is not necessarily a red flag. Newer research indicates it's actually healthier to have like back to back litters and then take like a pretty long break. And so the problem really there is, are they having back to back to back to back to back litters? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's a Miller backyard breeder. Um, are they doing breed specific tests? If they're not doing that, that's a red flag. Um, you should be able to see the pedigree of the dogs in the program. Um, a breeder should not get defensive when you're asking these questions because what are they hiding is kind of my thought. Um, they, they should want to prove that they're a good breeder. Mm-hmm. Um, are dogs in the program, do they have, are they either proven by titles or some working ability? Um, are they on site for you to meet? And again, this, that has nuance too, right? Smaller breeders might not have all their dogs on site, um, but they shouldn't be against you meeting the parents, right? Yeah. Um, it's just, you yeah. know, if, if, if it's a smaller breeder who is a reputable breeder, but they're breeding in, in the house, you know, how many dogs can you realistically fit in your three bedroom home? Not <laughs> as many as we would all like. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there a wait list? That's a big one. Like we talked about earlier. If, if you can just show up and get a puppy, that's not just a red flag. That's like almost always a deal breaker. And again, sometimes they might just happen to have a wait list and somebody, pulled out or they might just happen to have a litter ready and they only had six reservations on the wait list and they had seven puppies. So it's not always like a red flag, but like it, 
that's one that's a big one. If you can take the puppy home that day, huge red flag. Uh, yeah. Or, well, deal breaker, deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and contract. If, if they don't have a contract, huge red flag. You want to see a contract. You want to see the terms of the contract. Um, I would not buy from a breeder that wouldn't take the dog back. Um, I, I don't ever intend to rehome one of my dogs. I wouldn't rescue from a rescue for that matter that wouldn't take the dog back because yeah. the purpose of a dog, you know, getting a dog is finding the right fit for you and your lifestyle and your family. And if, if they won't take the dog back, that's not good for the dog and mm-hmm. that's not good for you. And so you really want to look at the terms of their contracts, make sure there's nothing sketchy in there and make sure that they are committing to the dog for the dog's lifetime. Yeah. And a lot of rescues, shelters and breeders, you like good ones should usually make that actually like mandatory. Like if you ever yes. rehome the dog, you need to bring them like it, rehome them to us kind of thing. Or, or, or consult us so we can help you find a suitable home. Cause obviously geographically you can't always return the dogs. I, yeah. You know, yeah. Had one dog be rehomed in the entire time she's been breeding. Um, and it was because you know, the family was older and they were moving into a condo for older, uh, an old, uh, older living situation, I believe. And mm-hmm. so she was like, I couldn't help them because they lived in California, but I helped them find a good fit and helped them rehome. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yes, that should, that is a mandatory thing. If a breeder's contract does not have that, no, no, not, not a breeder you want to go to. Well, I think that was such an amazing list. What I hear a lot of from what you're saying is that basically it's a longer process than a lot of people think. And it's just, you have to consistently follow the breeder, you know, maybe interact with them, see a few uh, litters that they've had, you know, just over social media or however. I think that, I think that if you, for all the listeners, if you start doing your research early, maybe even you're thinking about getting a dog, but you you know that you don't want one for another six months or so and then start that research at that point. So you have all of this kind of, you've decided on the breed and then you can research the breeder and all of that. Um, it sounds like then that's kind of setting yourself up for success for getting. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, I think you should be doing a similar, not the same process for rescue, but a similar process because yeah. adopter shop responsibly is my, my, personal philosophy and not all rescues are responsible. Um, yes. At all. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> and and not all breeders are responsible. And you just if you want the best fit for you and for the dog, it's a mutual relationship. You want to be doing it, doing your due diligence. Um you you owe that to your future dog, no matter where they come from. Yeah. Um and so I think, you know, there's there's often more that goes into adopting as well uh that people don't necessarily consider. Well, speaking of that, you did, I think you've talked about this a lot, but like there's one post that you did when you, when you got Ginsburg that, you know, I think you were maybe getting a little bit of hate from people of the whole, you know, oh my God, I can't believe you got a dog from a breeder, you know, adopt, don't shop. And you did this great thing about kind of debunking that whole ideology that I loved because even though, you know, Izzy and I all my two dogs, her dog, they're all from rescues. We've worked at shelter. They're all from shelters. We've worked at shelters. We volunteer. We like all of that, you know, so you would look at us and say like, yeah, we're definitely on the adopt side, which we are strongly support. However, there's something significant wrong with that whole ideology. So I'd love to talk to you more about that, about that post that you made of like why you decided to kind of 
debunk that in your opinions on on the adopt own shop okay so for adopt own shop i do want to just say up top like i understand where it comes from it comes from the best of intentions i i've supported adopt don't shop in the past um i think you know it comes from this genuine love of animals and that's really admirable um and i i try to respect that um you know one of my good friends is very much adopt don't shop because she's a kind and loving person and she wants every dog who's homeless to have a home and so how can i how can i not respect where that's coming from um i just don't like when people are very much when they don't respect my opinion of adopter shop responsibly um and aren't willing to i think there's a lot of nastiness on both sides that comes from both like ends of the extreme uh and in reality we just all love animals we all want dogs to find good homes and good fits so you know approach it from that commonality so why i personally don't support adopt don't shop is um i've got a whole list uh reputable breeders are they're really committing to their dogs for the dog's entire life so it's actually really rare for a well-bred dog to end up in a shelter or rescue they're not uh contributing to overpopulation or irresponsible breeding you know they have these legally binding contracts if they're rehoming a lot of them will microchip them before they come home um you have to return to the breeder and, and and again, good rescues will have that too. And, and they build a relationship with their adopters. I know Joe has two different groups. I'm in a group of everyone who's adopted from Dry Canyon and then, uh, or adopted, I'm sorry, uh, purchased a dog from Dry Canyon. And then I'm in a small group of just our litter. So they really cultivate these relationships. They're not contributing to overpopulation on homeless dogs. Um, and then there's a, this idea that if you're shopping, then a rescue dog dies and doesn't or doesn't have a home. And again, that's just a false equivalency. Um, for me, I was not willing to take the risk of a rescue dog again. I will in the future. I have no doubt that I'm a sucker for rescue hounds. I have no doubt I'm going to be adopting hounds in the future. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had a really, really traumatic experience with Key. And I wanted... I also wanted some options for my next dog. I wanted to be able to do sports and I potentially have a service dog for my PTSD. Um, and so for me, the choice was really buy a well-bred dog or don't get another dog right now. And that's worth noting too, you know, if you're getting a dog for a specific purpose, can rescue dogs do those things? Yes. Are they as likely to be able to do them? No. Like they, you don't know the background most of the time. You don't know the genetics most of the time. They just, Yes, they can do certain things. It ta- it's going to take more training. It's going to take more time. It's going to take more money to be able to have a service dog who's a rescue dog. Um, and maybe at the end of it, they can't be. They're just not cut out for it. So it's really just this false equivalency of a rescue dog dies and doesn't have a home. Because again, the reputable breeders aren't contributing to the overpopulation. And, um, I also don't support adopt, don't shop because I really believe the purpose of ownership is a good fit for you and for the dog. And for some people, that good fit is a rescue. And for other people, the best fit is a well-bred dog that they bought. And everyone should have the dog that's right for them. Whatever that means, you might prioritize things differently. You might prioritize bringing a dog in who doesn't have a home, whereas I'm going to prioritize having those options to compete in sports and compete or and and potentially have a service dog um and i'm especially going to prioritize ha- knowing i'm getting a stable dog um who has had the absolute best mm-hmm. start in life that kiki deserved um and then yeah. get into it if you take adopt don't shop too far 
we will be left with no dogs, right? Um, or we'll be left with no well-bred dogs, a lot of crappy genetics, um, breeding yes. with other crappy genetics. And that just kind of means less stability in the animals are that are produced, less consistency. Um, if you good breeders are committed to preserving historic breeds um, and maintaining consistency in those breeds. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have good breeders, then you don't have good breeds. You don't have, you maybe don't even have breeds. And obviously that's going way down the line. If you take a dump, don't shop that far. We each have American Foxhounds and they're both rare breeds or they are like an American Foxhound is considered a rare breed kind of these days. And so the idea that there's not going to be more American Foxhounds out there, there's a lot of Foxhound mixes, totally fine. Great dogs as well. But you know, I freaking love Lupin and the idea that there's not more, there's not going to be more out of him unless it's through a breeder that kind of breaks my heart. Not even just like for me, but just for other people to have the opportunity to experience this breed that I absolutely love. And so I totally understand what you're saying. Like the whole, these historic breeds that sometimes you've never even heard of are dying off because right. they're not being Or they're supported. being supported by people who are breeding yeah. crappy versions of them like I, I love starsky very much but he is i'm pretty sure he's from a puppy mill based on what i know about him and his embark and um and he shouldn't have been bred he's a wonderful dog and i love him and he's turned me on to foxhounds but um you know i don't want every foxhound to have this progressively declining spine um <laughs> i want them to be happy healthy dogs mm -hmm. yeah um Another reason I don't really support Adopt All Shop is because a lot of rescues don't support it. Um, rescues and breeders will work together, yeah. right? You you were talking about that with working in the shelter, um, especially in breed-specific rescue. And so I, I think that a lot of rescues and breeders are really kind of experts. And if they all agree that responsible breeding is not the problem, then I'm going to defer to that expertise. Um, then I guess the last reason... Um, is that a lot of rescues are really difficult to adopt from. I'm kind of a totality of the circumstances person. So, you know, I was 22. I didn't, uh, I, I was living with my parents, working an hour away, and I was working on getting an apartment where I wouldn't have a yard. And so those were some red flags for Starsky's Rescue, but they really took the time to get to know me as a person and an owner. And they said, okay, I, we think you're going to be a good owner. And um, a lot of rescues don't do that though. And they will put these arbitrary conditions on adopting, like having a yard, which don't, get me started mm -hmm. on the yard issue in particular <laughs> um, because anyway uh but when people get repeatedly denied it's gonna send them the way of breeders so we need to rescues need to understand that and if they don't know the difference between good breeding and bad breeding then they might not know where to turn to and end up supporting these types of breeders that we don't want to support and we don't want to elevate backyard breeders we don't want to elevate puppy mills, but they might not know that going to a dog store, um, a pet store and just buying a dog is not a good way to get a dog. Um, so I actually kind of think it's rescues have kind of a moral responsibility as well to educate on the differences in breeding as well. And, you know, if, if they're denying people arbitrarily and then sending them the way of irresponsible breeders, that's completely opposite of rescues intentions. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah, totally understand that. I don't know how many times I've 
heard, just like in passing, acquaintances, friends, family, whatever, like, oh, well, you know, my uncle got denied at a rescue or it took three months for them to decide. And so he just went out and got a dog from a breeder and he had a dog in a week, you know, and so then they think that that's like the pro. And I'm like, no, that's it's bad on both ends now. (laughs) You know, now the whole thing has gone. You know, I'm sure the dog is happy, well taken care of, you know, at the end. But it's like you're not responsibly adopting or shopping at that point. Right. And it's, you know, and you can get a great dog from a backyard breeder. But like, do you want to support those breeding practices? Um, It's a risk tolerance thing, too. You are taking a much bigger risk by going to a backyard breeder um, Mm -hmm. than you are by going to a reputable breeder. So yeah, that's actually one of my big frustrations with rescues and shelters is the time that it takes for them to either approve slash deny an application or the amount of like hoops that they require someone to jump through just to rescue a dog. It's they are kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. Like I understand that they have a duty to place a dog in a very good home and that dog is is under their care. But at the same time, it's denying like some really amazing, you know, homes. For instance, like at just like what you said, you know, we got Lupin at age twenty two in an apartment extremely fearful dog and all this but you know the they kind of took a chance on us to a certain extent I think also because I worked in the field you know I had a leg up with that but we I think from a a lot of other rescues we would have been denied like flat out or it would have just taken so long and we would have had to jump through a bunch of hoops so yeah I I totally agree yeah I I think you know (laughs) That's kind of my thing with rescue, you know, don't just rescue them, rescue them well. Um, and and if you're making a commitment to animals, you're making a commitment to all the dogs. You're not just making a commitment to the dogs that are having that that are homeless or in a shelter or an owner surrender. Don't yeah. we want good fits? Yeah. Isn't that the whole purpose? Rescue them well. Mm-hmm. Rescue them well. I think, you know, Izzy and I will be the first to tell everyone that as much as there's some shady practices out there with breeders, we've kind of talked about the whole puppy mill, you know, not letting you see the dogs, like things like that, just really shady practices. There's some equally very shady practices in rescues that totally on the website look totally fine. You think you're doing the right thing, you're rescuing. And then the, just the, you know, it ends up being like someone with 20 dogs in their basement and that they're just like, rescue the dog now, you know, like. 200 bucks like and you just like trade on the side of the road and they're like yeah i rescued and it's just yeah there's some really shady um practices on both ends basically a a lot of rest not a lot of puppy mills and i can't say that a lot of rescues because i don't know the numbers but there are a lot of rescue there are rescues and puppy mills that work together the puppy mills need to sell the dogs and the rescues there's such high demand for a rescue dog that they will just buy the dogs from the puppy mill and then turn them around as a rescue but that's not rescuing the dogs. That's just inserting a middleman, you know, and mm-hmm. you're actually financially supporting a puppy mill. Um, there, There's, yeah, well, like you said, there's a lot of shady practices there. There's definitely such a thing as adopting responsibly or adopting irresponsibly, just like buying or shopping responsibly or irresponsibly. Yeah, yeah, totally agreed. I think, um, you know, as I kind of said, that a lot of rescues and shelters, they want to find the right fit which is great, but you don't want to do it at the expense of turning, ending up 
that that person, you know, goes another route, potentially, you know, a puppy mill or something like that. So it's like it needs to have responsibility on all ends as a adopter or shopper, whatever. As a person wanting a dog, you need to do a decent amount of checks, you know, to make sure where you're adopting from is a legit rescue, shelter, all of that kind of stuff. You need to make sure that that dog is the right fit too, which I think Izzy and I are going to do another episode on like how to adopt, you know, what to look for. Well, that's a great idea. I look forward to that episode. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But then also, you know, you have to do the responsible thing if you want a dog from a breeder of right requirements, doing the checks, looking into everything. And both things is going to take time. Whether you're adopting or shopping, you should take the time to do it at the end of the day. And, um, and I think that's, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, it's not, a we're kind of debunking the whole adopt, don't shop ideology, but it's just saying adopt or shop responsibly is really. Yeah. Get a dog that is a good fit for you, that you're not going to have to rehome, that the dog is not going to have behavioral issues because you're just not the match. You know, I I don't want to date someone who's not a good fit for me. I don't want to be stuck with someone who's not a good fit for me. (laughs) Same with the dog. And the dog doesn't want to be stuck with a person who's not a good fit for them. Right? Yes. Yes, exactly. I love that. I don't want to be stuck with someone. <laughs> you can't you can't return a dog like you do. Been there done that. Been there yeah. done that. <laughs> okay, well Charlotte, this has been absolutely amazing. You've given us so much information on how you came to your decision with Ginsburg, how to find the right breeder, and then also I think just like a really interesting I think we had a really interesting discussion about debunking the adopt and shop ideology. You know, just to round it out for all the listeners, there is nothing wrong with adopting at all. Like, we're not against that. You know, I think we've made that clear in this episode. We just, adopting is okay and we support it. (laughs) Um, I think it's just the fact that that ideology has become a, almost like a tagline for, uh, I do the right thing, kind of like, and, and virtue signaling. Exactly. (laughs) Love that. Yes. Um, If you believe in adopting, that's great. And if you believe in adopt, don't shop, I respect it as long as you're not a jerk to me about (laughs) shopping responsibly. That's fine. Yeah. (laughs) We're just saying be responsible from the get go. You know, don't don't say adopt, don't shop and um, maybe have gotten a dog from a really sketchy rescue supporting their practice. You know, it's not good on either end, basically. So uh, I think do your research, breeder or a shelter rescue, whatever you're getting your dog from. As I said, Izzy and I will try to do another episode more about how you can um, adopt a dog in and what checks and stuff that you should do. I think a shelter episode would be very interesting too, personally, yeah. because like there's good shelters and bad shelters, but like you kind of just think, oh, it's just a shelter. Like, I don't really know the difference between good shelters and bad shelters, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like, it would be interesting because a shelter is totally different from a rescue. They are. And not everyone realizes that. Drastically different. And um, personal preference for a shelter because you can go to a local place and see the dog and yes. do the meeting and the testing that I'm going to recommend. But that's what we did uh, with Albus. He actually was, I covered this in our episode, I think it's called So You Want a Second Dog or something like that and um he was a rescue but i was able to actually go to his foster home see him interact with my dogs or with lupin and the other dog in the foster home 
and do these little tests and stuff to really decide if he's the right fit. So long story short, keep an eye out for that. We will try to do that episode sometime in the next couple months. But this has been amazing, Charlotte. If people want to follow you, connect with you, where can they find you? Okay, I've got a lot of these. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm on Instagram, Charlotte with dogs. Um, I am also on TikTok, Charlotte with dogs, because, you know, every good uh, millennial should be on TikTok. Um, <laughs> I do have a website with a little a little merch shop and I do uh, some stickers of self-care and then I just throw them up there. That's charlottewithdogs.com. Maybe you can sense a theme here. Um <laughs> I, uh, I'm also a friend of mine, uh, Bridget and I, we are launching a photography business. There's bound to be a lot of dog parent, uh, shots on this. By the time this episode airs, uh, we will probably have announced it. If not, uh, y'all are the first to know. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, and when the website goes up, it's, uh, www.tothemountains, but mountains is spelled M-T-N-S dot C-O. Um, and then if you're interested more in, uh, you know, Ginsburg's breeder and some of the education she does, she is dry Canyon goldens on Instagram and Starsky's rescue. I cannot recommend them enough. They're wonderful. I'm really good friends with the person who processed my application now. Like it's again, rescue them well. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are empire rescue on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for a lot, all that info. Uh, for all the listeners, you can find us at With the Dog Podcast on Instagram. It's I'm With the Dog is the name of our Facebook group. Um, and oh, just joined Clubhouse and TikTok. God help us. And so that's at With the Dog Podcast as well. So see you all next week. All content on With the Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist. <laughs>